I once had all of my degrees behind me in my office here, but uh, no one cared about the degrees. They saw Pikachu and said, oh my, tell me more about your Pikachu. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now all of my cool stuff is behind me and people say, oh, you have Mjolnir. Tell me about Mjolnir. You've got lightsabers. You've got a Hylian shield. That's what matters to autistic people. We don't care. It's great that you have the degrees. We want to know if you're listening to us. We want to know if you're understanding us. Episode 14, Autistic Medical Needs. Welcome to the Autistic Culture Podcast. Each episode, we dive deep into autistic contributions to society and culture by introducing you to some of the world's most famous and successful autistics in history. Before we get started, a quick disclaimer on how we use the word autistic. The purpose of this show is not to diagnose the people or characters we discuss as autistic. While some may have announced being autistic, what we're really sharing here is our observation of what is representative of autistic culture. It can sometimes be difficult for autistic people to celebrate our natural tendencies and traits due to the perception of autism as a disorder that needs to be fixed, a long history of damaging medical interventions to get autistics to fit in with mainstream culture, and protective masking skills many of us have developed to try to stay safe. Whether you are autistic or just love someone who is, your hosts, Dr. Angela Loria, the linguistic autistic. And licensed psychological practitioner, Matt Lowry, welcome you to take this time to be fully immersed in the language, values, traditions, norms, and identity of Autistica. So, hey, Angela. We're back. We are, and uh, we we are recording an episode today that uh, I didn't expect. It's uh, it's going to go against the grain a little bit because uh, this is today is going to be a fairly serious topic that I think really really needs to be covered. Uh, we'll get back to our you know usual fun and games next time, but uh, today I I think that autistic people everywhere really really need to learn about medical issues that they're more likely to face than holistic people. Yeah, we kind of had a rude awakening about this. We took a recording break. I haven't seen you in uh, about a month. We we took yeah. some time off and got a little bit of bad holiday news. Yeah, uh, a friend of ours uh, passed away over a Christmas break uh, due to uh, some really intense medical issues. And... Uh, a lot of people don't know about uh, these sort of issues. And we should say our friend was autistic and yes, not yes. of a dying age. And this was not no. COVID related. So, yeah, very, very, very young, uh, related to a lot of POTS and mast cell stuff. And if you don't know what POTS and mast cell is, stay tuned. You'll learn all about it. What you need to know is that... Uh, it's more likely to affect autistic people statistically than it is holistic people. And that's, that's an interesting thing because while we are not medical doctors uh, and we are not going to be providing any specific medical advice, I can say that uh, I've done several hundred evaluations with autistic people and I see again and again and again autistic people experiencing a lot of these medical issues. Well, like, here's the thing. We may not be doctors, but as autistic people, we still have to navigate the medical system, which just statistically is going to be majority holistic um, because yes. we are in the neuro minority. And I know for myself, I've got a list of things going back to being eight years old where I'm like, oh, that happened because I was autistic. Like that's a crossover, either the interaction with the medical community or the condition. Like I've had chronic ear issues. I've had ear infections oh, yeah. since I was two years old. I'm, before I was two. Uh, it was always the conversation about my ears. Like, oh, that's related to my autism? Like, had no idea. So I want us to be able to have this conversation, like not 
we're not providing any medical advice here, but the advice is if you're autistic or love someone who's autistic, these are good things to be aware of from our perspective. Yeah. And and because autism, uh, recent uh, studies have shown a very, very high rate of uh, heritability for autism, up to 94%. And all of these conditions that we're going to talk about today tend to also be hereditary. Hmm. So if you see these things in the family and you see these things in your autistic loved ones, it's something that you really should talk to your medical provider about because, again... And they'll probably uh, be delightful and supportive yeah. when you do talk yeah. to them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because that's the thing. I mean, it's it's the same thing as, well, you don't look autistic, you make eye contact, or you're too smart to be autistic, or you have empathy, or you're you a have woman. a job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's and that's a big thing with the intersectionality of uh, autistic women, autistic trans people, autistic people of color, because uh, there's a lot of medical discrimination against all these groups anyway. But when you add in the tism, then you get a lot of uh, a lot of health issues that go un unaddressed. And you might go to a doctor again and again and again and say, I have all these symptoms, but they say, oh, I don't believe that exists right. because this is this this is the system that we're working with. And hopefully medical professionals will, you know, start to learn more about this stuff because it's 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 different, but it's important. Uh, for, like the, the ear infections, this is a lifelong thing that both my son and I have had to deal with. It's it's a very interesting thing. But again, uh, our bodies are hypersensitive to our environment. Uh, it, it It's like headaches. I, I, I don't know of any autistic person who doesn't get recurrent headaches, if not migraines. Yeah. And for me, it's like, I do get headaches, but also like with my ear infections, then it, I also have horrible motion sickness. I oh, have yeah, yeah. like, I've had so many ear infections. My stapes are calcified and then they don't dangle nicely when I'm driving to like keep me at an equilibrium. And then I end up getting like super car sick. So then whenever I'm driving, I always have to ask to be in the front seat. So maybe I get a little less car sick, but then it, I, I can't like have all the social issues of like, oh, I'm with strangers, but I'm asking to be in the front seat. I'm so difficult. So yeah, it's it it has trickle down implications. I think all these different, you know, whether it's fibromyalgia or Hashimoto's, which I also have, or allergies, like all of those have trickle down consequences. And yeah. yes, I am all wish with you on let's get um, medical professionals to be more informed. But while we're waiting, autistic people have to learn to self-advocate and identify yeah. these issues. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, Hashimoto's, I can't tell you how common Hashimoto's is for autistic people. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about Hashimoto's? Uh, because that's uh, a lot of people listening to this may say, oh my God, I didn't know that had a name. Oh yeah, well for me, I have had um, lifelong challenges with my weight. I've always been fat and I've always been uh, trying to get that diagnosed and fixed in some way. And when I was trying to get pregnant, I have a condition called polycystic ovarian syndrome that made oh, it oh, yeah. super hard to get pregnant. And so I was just like, give me the whatever drugs they were going to give me to get me pregnant. Let me stick myself with a shot of Clomid or whatever I got to do to get pregnant. And they're like, oh, before we can do that, we need you to go and get your thyroid checked. And my thyroid, which had been checked throughout my life because everyone was always concerned about my weight, um, my thyroid was actually fine. I mean, it was like, I don't know, four or five, like it was like a little high, but nothing noteworthy. And so with Hashimoto's, this often happens where you actually do have a hypothyroid, so slow, um, a slow metabolism, slow processing, but it doesn't necessarily get picked up by a lot of the tests. 
And so along with that comes polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, which can lead to challenges with fertility, um, which definitely was the case for me, and a whole bunch of other things, um, side effects that um, weight is a big piece of that. Um, But then there's all of the issues around um, OCD eating disorders, which are also very prevalent um, in our community. And then um, the depression and anxiety that goes with that. So it's a little bit of a cascading effect, but Hashimoto's, they um, for years, well, I guess not that many years, but for a few years, they had me on synthetic thyroid to help try and get it under control so that maybe I could get pregnant. And then um, when I got pregnant, I don't know, pregnancy brain, I just stopped taking it. I forgot which you're like never supposed to go off it or you'll die or something. But I was so much happier off it. I just decided to ignore medical advice because I didn't find it very helpful. And I always feel like a scolded child, like between being fat and being autistic, going to the doctors is an exercise in being a scolded child. So thank God for Dr. Google. And I'm going to minimize my appointments because I don't like being looked at with that face that I get looked at with. And I think that is something a lot of autistic people deal with is it's it's not a lot of fun to interact with those systems. And never mind, by the way, I had something happen. I don't remember what something happened and I had to go to the emergency room. And now I have a $6,000 bill. And one of the requirements is I make a phone call to address this bill that I do not want to pay. So that's only been on my to-do list for six months because make a phone call is if you ask me to write a book, I'm on it. I can do that this week. If you ask me to make a phone call, that's going to take about a year. I'm going to yeah. have to I'm going to have to delay that activity. So, uh, like I said, there are these medical issues, but there's the social interaction issue. We can't get medical help without interacting socially, often yeah. with holistic people who are not very interested in learning the ways of our people. Yeah, yeah, especially when you come to intersectionality with women, with trans people, with people of color, uh, because that's uh, with like the PCOS. PCOS is so common among our people and all these reproductive issues come into play. Uh, I have... uh, I, I've recently been learning that preeclampsia is very, very common Ooh. for uh, at least autistic babies, if not autistic women, wow. because uh, it, it's a, something that affected my son and my uh, ex-wife. And it turns out that that happens to a lot of women, uh, <sighs> if not autistic themselves, but carrying autistic children. Yeah. So we haven't talked about this and I'd love to do an episode on this, but I am getting certified as a doula this year. Oh, nice. And one of my main reasons is to be able to support um, autistic women in childbirth because there are a lot of issues around childbirth, uh, labor that are not particularly handled in an autistic sensitive way. Um, So um, working with some amazing women, Ibu Robin Lim and um, Deborah Pascali Bonaro. So um, I'll have fun stories to share about that. But there is very little support for autistic women in pregnancy and labor. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine, especially when we live in a society that causes sensory nightmare on a daily basis. I can't imagine the, the sort of sensory intensity that goes into the labor process oh, no, for an autistic can't. woman. No, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. May you never experience that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. And, and that's that's a big reason why the medical community needs to understand, number one, autistic adults exist. Number two, uh, autistic people are not just cisgender boys. Uh, and there, there needs to be a lot more awareness about this stuff. Yeah. And it's it, it can be very frustrating to have to advocate for yourself constantly with every sort of medical appointment, especially since uh, so we might uh, either be very introceptive 
sensitive to interoceptive stuff, we might not be very sensitive to interoceptive stuff. So if you're very sensitive, you have all sorts of feelings inside your body and you say, oh, this feeling is off. This feeling is off. This feeling is off. And then people say, oh, you're a hypochondriac. You, right. you, clearly nothing's wrong. It's all in your head, but you're feeling your kidneys rub together or like, uh, your, your, your ovaries start to meld to your back somehow. <sighs> and you, you say, no, seriously, I'm in a lot of pain. Well, how much is a lot of pain? I want to die on a regular basis. Well, that seems to be an exaggeration, doesn't it? Right. But again, they don't know that well, sensitivity. So you've seen that happy face chart? Yes, yes. It's like a scale of one to 10 and there's like a 10 is a super, ah, I'm in pain face. And one is like, a, I'm happy. And then, you know, thinking in pictures, we're supposed to be visual. And so now they say, what is your pain? Look at these yeah. faces. Like that should be really helpful. Like that almost seems neurosensitive in some way, except yeah. for me, I'm like, compared to when yeah yeah i'm like and, and i don't i want to argue i can make a case for every single face on the scale i'm like yeah are you talking about my feet my feet are happy are you talking about how much pain compared to ever are you talking about my pain compared to other people's pain now i feel like i need to do a research project so yes. i will literally look at those 10 faces and i have no idea guess which one i pick every time uh probably the middle five in the middle i'm like i guess yeah. it's this one yeah, yeah. It's like putting all C's on a multiple choice test. I don't fucking exactly. know. <laughs> exactly. And that's a big thing, especially with like chronic health problems where you're always in pain. Uh, and you say, well, how much pain am I in now? How much? Uh, and when you have to compare to other people, that's a big thing for us because that ambiguity, it's not made for how we think. And that's why so much of this goes, especially like fibromyalgia, because fibromyalgia is so common, especially for autistic women. Conversion disorders, uh, all this stuff is due to the way we carry stress. It's due to our bodies being flooded with cortisol all the damn time, mm -hmm. because that's how we react to anxiety. We're always, we process so much more data all the time. We're always churning through data. We, our bodies are always feeling this. And that's why the cortisol rips our bodies apart. Mm. And we, we've got fibromyalgia, we've got eczema, we've got psoriasis, we've got asthma, we've got allergies, all of this stuff because our body is on high alert to literally everything all the time. And when you try, again, try to explain this to people, they, they just don't get it that we, we want relief from this. But how can we possibly always have these weird issues going on? Right. And that's the thing. I just found out that lupus is uh, apparently tied to autism because there's a lot of autistic people who experience dysautonomia, autoimmune disorders, including Yeah, that's lupus. what I was going to tell you is like a lot of these are autoimmune. So allergies, yes. eczema, asthma, Hashimoto's, I think psoriasis, lupus, like that's all autoimmune stuff. Yep. So I'm uh, not surprised we're attacking ourselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it makes sense. We love sharing stories of autistic culture. And if you are seeing yourself in any of these stories and you're wondering if maybe you're one of us or maybe you're already diagnosed or self-diagnosed and you want to know if Matt can help you live your life better and be more authentically autistic, check out his website at mattlowerylpp.com. That's Matt, M-A-T-T, Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y. And then that LPP, it stands for Licensed Psychological Practitioner. So head on over to mattlowrylpp.com and learn more about working with my buddy, Matt. This is one interesting thing because last night I found uh, out uh, and I'll, we'll post, uh, you know, uh, links to all sorts of pages in the show notes. Yeah, I found out that apparently autistic people might be more cancer resistant than holistics. Oh, say more about that. What do you know? Uh, apparently this same thing that keeps our uh, auto, our, our, 
immune systems on high alert all the time attacks cancer. Hmm. Very and that interesting. Could, yeah. Uh, it, it, in theory, it might also pr- uh, be a protective factor against stuff like even COVID because we, uh, our, auto, our, our immune system is on high alert for invaders at all times, always, forever. And when cancer starts to develop, that might be a protective factor for us. But again, a lot more research needs to be done, but we'll, I'll post a link to it because I found it very interesting. And hopefully this is another plus to being in the autism club. Yeah. Um, You mentioned earlier POTS and mast cell. I don't know much Uh, about either. I feel like I should. Can you give us a primer on what those are? So POTS uh, is, uh, according to POTS UK, uh, POTS is postural tachycardia syndrome, P-O-T-S. It's a life-altering and debilitating health condition where simply standing up can be a challenge for affected people as their body is unable to adjust to gravity, hence the uh, uh, postural part. It's due to an abnormal response by the autonomic nervous system and is characterized by orthostatic intolerance, uh, meaning that uh, when your body shifts positions and goes from laying to standing up, uh, your body kinds of freaks out and you have heart palpitations, lightheadedness, fatigue, sweating, nausea, fainting and headaches, and are associated with a persistent increase in heart rate from lying to the upright position. And uh, essentially, uh, the treatment is that you need to do French fries about it. Because in order to increase the, in order to stabilize blood pressure, you have to constantly have uh, an intake of fluids. You have to have an intake of sodium. Uh, you need more Gatorade. You need all of these other factors to keep your blood flowing at the optimal rate to keep from feeling dizzy, from feeling faint. Because th- this is what what people who don't have POTS don't realize is that if you've ever heard the term brain fog, mm-hmm. POTS has brain fog uh, to Godzilla levels Ooh. because your brain doesn't have the blood pressure necessary to flow all this stuff through. So it can be, it's chronic lethargy, chronic uh, tiredness, uh, the synonym there, uh, but uh, it can make Both daily lethargy, activities. tiredness, and fatigue. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> Covering the thesaurus. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it can make daily activities, even stuff that you like to do, near impossible. So is this one of those, um, I don't know, is the S for syndrome? Yes, Is this one of those syndromes that uh, a lot of medical professionals will tell you you're making it up? Is this like, yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, Plus, plus it's one of those things where if you go to get a test, they'll say, well, it's not bad enough to really be POTS. Why would you really want POTS? Uh, well, I, I've heard that POTS is much worse than this, even though that, you know, you might go in and they, they essentially put you on a table and tilt you and see if things go haywire. Yeah. But uh, if they don't go haywire enough, uh, a medical professional might not give you the diagnosis that you need in order to start treatment. Right. right. And they, yeah, and, and this is They wouldn't want to burden you with the diagnosis because if you don't have the diagnosis, as you know, all the symptoms magically go away. Exactly, exactly. And that's this is a very frustrating thing for dealing with all these health issues because it, there's a lot of gatekeeping to getting an accurate diagnosis and the diagnosis is necessary for a good treatment. So there are a lot of specialists around who understand this quite well. But if you don't have a doctor who will refer you to a specialist, then that's gatekeeping you from people who actually know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And that can be very, very difficult. Right. And mast cell is uh, a really, really uh, serious thing. Uh, Fun fact, mast cell, uh, uh, there was an article, I guess, about two weeks ago, uh, linking uh, EDS, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, to mast cell activation syndrome. Okay, so let's talk Uh, about what they both are. Okay, so uh, we'll start off with EDS because I'm willing to bet that 
every person listening knows somebody with EDS. Uh, EDS, again, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. There are, uh, what, 14 types? Uh, 13 types. Oh, I there didn't are 13 know that. types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And I'll tell you what, uh, we'll have a link to the Ehlers-Danlos Society in the show notes. Uh, the most common type that you might know about is hypermobile EDS, uh, which is generalized joint hypermobility, joint instability, and chronic pain. So all forms of EDS are linked to connective tissue disorders, where you're, the, the, the things that hold your body together is not doing a great job at it. Okay. For instance, like with me, uh, I can bend my uh, thumb all the way back down to my arm. I can turn my legs 180 degrees in the opposite direction. I was famous in my high school for freaking out a substitute teacher because I went to the bathroom, put all my clothes on backwards, turned my feet around backwards, and made the teacher think that my head was on backwards. She freaked out, dropped her stuff right out of the school, and we never saw her again. So... Uh, I am very, You're very, very stretchy. Bendy. I am. Uh, yeah. And I, I can pop my joints out of place. Yeah, I, can I do pop a my lot of popping. Of my, like, yeah. my thumb is very bendy. It's like curly. Yeah. And then I do a lot of, yeah, popping, popping and locking over here. Exactly. And this is a, uh, as much as the holistics say that we are not flexible people, we are very flexible people. In some ways, we are flexible. And and at least part of that. uh, So when you get to be extremely flexy, when you're able to stretch your skin out, and I I don't think that I have a a low enough body fat content to do a lot of stretching. (laughs) But yeah, uh, that might be part of hypermobile EDS. Uh, but again, because your body isn't holding itself together well, especially as we get older, that leads to a lot of joint instability, chronic pain, a lot of falling, a lot of uh, unintentional injuries due to all this kind of stuff. Uh, classical EDS, CEDS, is skin fragility with extensive atrophic, atrophic scarring and the very stretchy skin with a velvety or doughy texture, meaning that if you get bruises easily, uh, meaning if scars don't heal very well, this is the sort of EDS that you might be looking at. And this is another common thing for us, which is, again, why we have a, a lot of other autistic health concerns. Uh, vascular EDS is a really, really rough one uh, because our 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 blood vessels are very fragile. They Mm. tend to rupture. Our organs might rupture. Mm. Uh, Our organs might be bruised. And this is a thing that you can't really see. And when you have all these weird things, you might be more prone to stroke. You might be more prone to uh, internal bleeding. And when you feel like something is off, but you don't see it, uh, medical professionals, again, might give you the whole, well, it seems like it's in your head kind of thing because they're not looking for something this intense and wait and then you were gonna i just want to know what mass cell is because you there's some oh, oh, connection oh, oh yeah yeah well uh yeah uh, well i mean it's it's linked to all of this other stuff uh mass cell is essentially anaphylactic shock to many many things all the time uh let's see here on the mcas uh MassCellAction.org website. It says that. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Let me take a drink because. Yes, we will prepare for this. Yeah, this one's a this one's a doozy. So. <laughs> so uh, yeah. Mast cell activation syndrome, MCAS, is a condition which can develop in children or adults. MCAS forms part of a spectrum of mast cell disorders. People with MCAS may also have other mast cell disorders such as mastocytosis or hereditary alpha tryptosemia syndrome, HATS. Uh, In people at affected by MCAS, chemicals called mast cell mediators are released too frequently or abundantly and or in response to triggers that are not typically considered to be harmful. For instance, foods or chemicals in the environment. This can lead to a wide range of symptoms that affect multiple parts of the body. Triggers and symptoms of MCAS vary greatly between individuals. Triggers can include fragrances, exercise, stress, changes in temperature, uh, and, and especially foods, 
MCAS symptoms can come and go and may often change over time within the same person, which again leads to this uh, uh, medical you're professional saying, yeah, you're making it up. This is clearly, I don't know, uh, 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 Munchausen's I, yeah, because, yeah. yeah, because uh, if somebody is allergic to a scent one week and not allergic the next week, you say, oh, that's clearly insane. You're making it up. You can't not be allergic all the time. But uh, so MCAS symptoms can come and go and may change over time within the same person. This can make it difficult to identify specific triggers and then and the number of triggers and severity of symptoms may continue to increase as the condition progresses. More research is needed to understand MCAS. Sometimes the condition occurs in family groups, suggesting that there may be genetic causes. Again, mm. it's linked to the autism. HATS is a genetic condition caused by the presence of extra copies of alpha tryptase gene uh, TPS-AB1. Since the genetic cause of mastocytosis and hats are well characterized, genetic tests for these conditions are available. Uh, and with anaphylaxis, people who have MCAS are at increased risk of having an anaphylactic reaction after encountering a trigger. Anaphylaxis is potentially life threat, a potentially life-threatening allergic yes, reaction. Obviously, yeah. It has a rapid onset of symptoms and is important to be aware of the signs. And this this is a big, big thing uh, because it can kill people uh, if if not properly maintained. Uh, I know of people who have mast cell that range from uh, difficulty with certain environments, difficulty with temperatures, difficulty with certain triggers to essentially living in a bubble. Okay, and I need yeah. to say one thing because it's bothering me. If you are a listen to podcast and Googler like I am, because I like to multitask, you should know the word that Matt is saying is oh, yes. mast cell, M-A-S-T, yes. which is, you see, it sounds like mast cell, so it's hard to Google. So mast cell, um, yes. but who wants to pronounce all the letters in the middle? We are Americans. Um, and I want to pause you because... I need you to put on therapist hat for me. Oh, yes. Um, with what we've talked about with a lot of these conditions, so fibro, Ehlers, Daniel, uh, mast cell, POTS, a lot of these conditions are conditions where medical professionals will tell you you're crazy. Yes. Even though you show up with your binder of printed materials... Uh, this is the way. Right. So um, I don't, I don't, medical gaslighting. I'm not sure I know what word it is, but it is a huge part of, I think it's a huge part of our culture. What I'm going to call it medical gaslighting. This thing where you say, oh, this is my diagnosis. Oh, I'm autistic. No, you're not. You made eye contact. Oh, I have fibromyalgia. Like, no, you don't. It's all in your head. This sort of medical gaslighting um, change it. We're, we already have differences in how we socially communicate, right? Yes. And let's just say we're more straightforward and more direct and there's less, I don't know, pussyfooting around, whatever that is. I can't understand it. Um, but now add gaslighting. Yeah. And, and I will say I've got a little chip on my shoulder. Like when yes. I go into a medical office, I'm like, oh, I'm about to be gaslit. So yeah. let me put on my armor for battle. Like I'm I'm yes. already likely yes. to rub you the wrong way if you're neurotypical. Yeah. Like yeah. checking, if you don't have your like check-in process at your front desk to organized, I am probably going to helpfully tell you how to improve that process. Because that yeah. is who I am. I am very helpful. And I'm going to be like, this is really disorganized. Let me, and you may not enjoy that feedback from me, that generous feedback that I give as part of our culture. But I do think there is a chip on the shoulder that gets added by being told you're making shit up all the time. The, um, yeah. the story my family told me all the fucking time was the little girl who cried wolf. Yeah. yeah. I would get read that story as if Socrates wrote it for me himself. That's not who wrote it, but um, but it was 
I am the little girl who cries wolf. So I'm a little fucking paranoid and I show up with binders and Excel spreadsheet. I'm like, I already know you're going to try and gaslight me. So let me please come prepared with my binder. And what my binder communicates is you're stupid and I'm smart. So it doesn't work the way I think it will. It is somehow taken as an insult. So therapize me here, Matt. Um, I want to talk about how this affects our culture, but also what do you tell clients? I think this is a big part of who we are. It is. And actually, uh, so this is an interesting thing that I've learned about neurotypicals because it seems so neurotypical culture is based on hierarchy. Neurotypicals love acquiescing to authority figures Mm. and having this level of authority. I was listening to, uh, uh, it was a, a little over a year ago at this point, I was listening to a neurotypical woman explain how to do autism evaluations. Oh, I can't wait. And this woman... This woman was talking about meeting this child, this girl, and she said explicitly that she was horrified because this girl treated her like an equal instead of acquiescing to her authority as a doctor. Great. And so this is the thing, because uh, a part of our culture is that we are fairly egalitarian. For the people who are watching on YouTube and see behind me, uh, I once had all of my degrees behind me in my office here, but uh, no one cared about the degrees. They saw Pikachu and said, oh my, tell me more about your Pikachu. Yes. <laughs> so now all of my cool stuff is behind me and people say, oh, you have Mjolnir. Tell me about Mjolnir. You've got lightsabers. You've got a Hylian shield. That's what matters to autistic people. We don't care. It's great that you have the degrees. We want to know if you're listening to us. We want to know if you're understanding us. And this is a big obstacle, especially if and you're And maybe autistic let's go people. with respecting us? Yes. Crazy This is talk? a big thing because that's there is a different set of standards for autistic respect and holistic respect. Uh, there oh. was uh, once a, a meme about this because uh, autistic respect is you see me as human. Uh, holistic irrespect is you see me as an authority. Uh, and this is a very, uh, very different thing because when an autistic person comes in and talks to the doctor like the doctor is a human, the doctor instantly dislikes us because we're not giving them the reverence of an authority. I got fired from a job once for this. I didn't understand it. I yeah. kept, So what would happen is she would give me an assignment, like, will you make copies of this document? And I would say, okay. And she kept telling me that was disrespectful. Yeah. And I did not understand how is okay. Would you make copies? Okay. You're being disrespectful. I'm like, what other answer could there be? No would be disrespectful. She wanted me to say, okay, ma'am. Yes. Yes. I didn't even know that. I didn't know. I didn't know I did it wrong. They love titles. They love to be referred to as Mr. Ms. Dr. Uh, She wanted me to call her Miss Virginia. I didn't know. Yeah. And and that's the thing, because, again, we treat people like people instead of treating them like uh, some sort of authority figure. This is a big obstacle to the way that we relate to people and get treated and get treated humanely. Because, again, if you don't refer to the doctor as, yes, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, doctor, this, this then they're going to treat us poorly because they're going to dislike us and give us second-tier treatment. Yeah. And I that noticed. sucks. That is discrimination. Right. And that discrimination leads to the poor diagnoses, leads to not listening to us, leads to dehumanizing us, because if we don't treat them like an authority, they won't treat us like a person. Right. So and, wait, of course, they blame the- us for it. What's the advice? I mean, do you do you play the game? Is there a time to play the game? Do we sometimes play uh, the game? I, I and this is a thing because we we definitely need advocacy work because I 
I, I, I yell at authority figures a lot, Same. Uh, especially mm-hmm. uh, because I happen to have several degrees and uh, all this neat stuff behind me uh, to give me a level of professional authority that gives me some sort of freedom to do this. But again, I also piss a lot of people off. Mm-hmm. We need a lot of advocacy for our people. We need people to be able to change things at a systemic level. But at the same time, we also have to be aware that this could be life-threatening for us. This is one of the things contributing to our low life expectancy. Uh, it, it's essentially like how people of color have to teach their children to kiss the ass of all cops they see because otherwise the cops will murder them. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, that's another thing for us because cops have a tendency to uh, yeah. murder autistic ch- children a lot. Yeah. Not, yeah. not great. Not great numbers no. there. They are not feeling yeah. our vibe. <laughs> No. And, and this is part of why autistic people are, the, the legends say that we have no empathy, that we have no theory of mind, because we don't automatically do things like other people want us to do. And that causes a lot of problems for us. It's, it's a very big problem for our people. When autistic people find a special interest, they go deep and have a lot of knowledge, even if they don't have that formal education background to go with it. If you want to capture your spin in a book, check out Angela's work at differencepress.com, differencepress.com, and find out more about becoming an author and establishing your credibility with a book. So, and then trickle down problem my, I don't know if I've talked about this on here. I'm sure I have because I say it a lot. But like my story about myself was when humans are born, some people are very beautiful. Some people are tall. Some people are funny. Like just there are different things that we all get. And one of the things I got was a bad personality. I was like, oh, I got a bad personality. Like I got, I'm really smart. I'm good at making money. Like I know I'm a an amazing writer and I have a bad personality. And it was just on the list of how I thought about myself, which so then when people would say like, you're perfect how you are or love yourself or you are enough, I would be like, yeah, I think that's probably true for other people, but I got a bad personality. So yeah. not true for me. And then I would have an experience with an authority, often with a doctor. You know, I've been removed from people's practices. I've been yelled at. I've been kicked out of doctor's offices. Like, it's not always a pretty experience. And so because I already had this thought about myself, I have a bad personality, when something would go wrong, and I've also been fired a lot. So, when, you know, when I get fired or kicked out of a doctor's office or whatever, I already know I have a bad personality. And so it feeds into like, this was my fault. And yeah. then for me, that escalated to being in a violent romantic partnership. Yeah. And when I got hit or punched or shoved, I was like, I'm not saying it's okay to hit someone, but I do have a bad personality. Like it does, it does kind of make sense. Like I get why he hit me yeah, and probably stayed there too long. So this is the cycle that is so ingrained, I think, in autistic culture is we're being told all the time we're problematic It's very hard not to believe. And then we put ourselves in dangerous situations. Yeah. Because they seem logical. We call that internalized ableism, Mm. where we blame ourselves for all these things and suck up situations that we should not. And this leads to, again, a lot of difficulty with cross-neurotype relationships because so there is this thing that holistics have invented called Cassandra syndrome, mm-hmm. where uh, the holistic partner will say, I am burdened with an autistic partner and everything is my autistic partner's fault. My autistic partner does not meet my needs. I leave obvious hints for them and they just don't uh, understand my hints. So clearly they are at fault. They don't have empathy. They don't have this. And they tell their families about how terrible the autistic person is. They tell their friends about how awful the autistic person 
person is, and they get all this attention for being a martyr, for staying with the autistic person for as long as they do. And unintentionally, well, maybe intentionally, causing a lot of abuse to the autistic mm. partner. And again, because we have this internalized ableism going, we suck it up and say, oh, yeah, clearly it wasn't enough. Clearly, I should be doing more. Clearly, I need to do this. Clearly, I need to do this. Yes, you're absolutely right. It is totally my fault. Right. And of course, that leads to a lot of depression. It leads to a lot of anxiety. It leads to a lot of health problems. It leads to a lot of suicide. It leads to a lot of people being in bad relationships or being alone. And if you're alone, you're not going to get the health care that you need because you're not going to have a partner that says, hey, uh, you're uh, starting to bleed profusely. Maybe you should go get that checked out. Right. Or, <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that it, it's, it's a vicious cycle of this self... Uh, 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 the opposite of aggrandizing. Self-loathing. Uh, Self-loathing. Yes, there we go. I can't believe I didn't yeah, think of that. One. That was yeah. Uh, that was me for a long time and I um having a diagnosis helped break that, but that's because I was able to lean into the strengths of autism, the culture of autism, the community and there are a lot of people in the community who I feel like even though they know they're autistic, are in a, it can be a dark place, right? Yeah. So I, I think it's a, I think it's a challenge. Before we started recording, I was comparing autistic culture to military culture. Yes. So within military culture, which I know nothing about, so I will now speak like an authority on it. Um, but, uh, but obviously there's a lot of trauma in military culture. Yeah. I don't think I need to be, uh, I can share that one. And so there, and there's very high suicide rate, alarmingly yeah. high suicide rates, which is also true in autistic culture. Yeah. And I think that's part of why it's so important to celebrate the amazing things in the culture, because yeah. this shadow of our medical needs not really being met and unlikely to be met anytime soon. Yeah. Um, that is just the truth. So that is a huge shadow. Our, our life, is, and I'm, I don't know what the life expectancy of military people is, but I wouldn't be surprised if overall it was shorter for obvious reasons. Our yeah. life expectancy is lower. Our depression rates are higher. Our suicide rates are higher. And a big part of that for us isn't having to face war, but a big part of that is facing the war of navigating institutions like yeah. medical institutions day after day after day where we are not listened to. Constantly fighting gatekeepers. And uh, uh, again, our average life expectancy is 36. Mm. Yeah. <coughs> I did not know that. Is that? Yeah. I hope you're very is, wrong. No, no, no. There, there are several studies about it uh, contributing. Uh, again, our health issues, our suicide rate, depression, I think suicide's all this stuff. like one in nine, but one in four for girls, something like that. It's much higher for women. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is really, really intense. And it's, this is again, the reason we need a lot of autistic pride and we need a lot more autistic health awareness. Uh, and that's, again, we need, we, so one of the things that I'm currently working on with uh, a, a bunch of people here in Kentucky is developing an autistic health center uh, that have, uh, yeah, uh, that is hiring autistic staff and autistic friendly staff. Uh, for instance, we've got a nurse practitioner who's autistic. We've got a, uh, we've got a pharmacist who's autistic. We've got OTs and PTs and SLPs, uh, occupational therapists, physical therapists, speech language pathologists. I want that in every town. Yes. Uh, we've got a uh, uh, we we still need a medical doctor, but that's this is a thing. We need it seems people like there who should be autistic doctors, though it sort of fits. Oh, so this is a big thing about that we've learned about the, the the medical field. There's essentially a hazing process for uh, medical doctors, where you have to have long shifts at uh, your yeah. They rotations make you stay and, up all night. Yeah, and that is not conducive to the autistic 
way of life. So there's a lot of internalized ableism about people who are medical doctors. And uh, even if there are doctors who are autistic, they may not see their own autism because they say they overcame it because that became a badge of honor because they're, they're stronger than other autistic people and might look down on autistic people who are disabled because we are socially disabled. This is from the society that constantly looks down on us. So this is a, a constant fight that we have to overcome and we have to change the way that things are from the ground up from the institutions that even train doctors. So that's, but we're, we're still looking and uh, I meet new autistic people every day who know autistic people who know autistic people. Oh so yeah. And Matt's contact information is on the autistic culture website. So uh, yeah. tra- track us down if you're listening and you know, a medical doctor who might be a good fit. Um, what do we do other than build autistic medical centers in every town, but what are some tools or techniques or suggestions to stay sane in the face of this, to self-advocate, to get support? What are some ways that we can manage some of this? So, okay. So, uh, I, I do a, a type of therapy uh, that uh, I call autistic centered therapy. And part of that is uh, body awareness uh, because uh, we essentially drive these meat bodies that we don't have any idea what's going on with them. So we have to fuel them. We have to take care of them. Fun fact, uh, there is a very high rate of sleep apnea for autistic people because our bodies just forget to breathe. It's a big reason behind our autistic accent because we take breaths in the middle of a sentence and we just don't pay attention to when we need oxygen and our bodies forget to breathe at night so we don't get rest, we don't get relaxed, we have a lot of depression, we have brain fog, we have all this stuff. So we have to get a CPAP or a BiPAP machine, we have to eat healthy, we have to exercise, we have to do all of these things consciously to take care of ourselves, to maintain our meat bodies so that we won't need medical professionals as often. Mm. We we need to do our research because, uh, again, it's, it's not a... a it's not the greatest thing in the world to, you know, go to Google every time that you, you find something, but it is important to know the stuff that is likely to affect us. It is important to be aware. And when you do have to go to a doctor, it is important to know that you are going to have to speak holistic in order to get your health needs met because we live in a very biased system that doesn't want to speak autistic. Right. Yeah. Keeping in mind that these people love the respect that comes with authority, then that you are going to have to kiss ass in order to get your needs met. It is ridiculously bad. It's abhorrent, but it's something that you will have to do and it might save your life or it might save your child's life because this, this is, uh, the, this is the burden This is why we are disabled from the social model because society has all agreed to abide by these rules, but it's not conducive to how autistic brains work. Mm. So we are at a continual disadvantage when dealing with holistics because holistics have these weird rules that are unspoken. Right. Maybe we shouldn't call them weird. Different. Yeah. Different. They feel weird. But yes, so I think one of the other things is about support. So yes. um, I don't know, do we, do we take a loved one with us to appointments? Does that help? I know, um, yeah, I know a lot of times I've had an, an holistic person with me at appointments, um, particularly- yes. Since I've been diagnosed and I've basically said, I'm going to fuck this up and this is important. So can you talk for me? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a, that's a common thing. Uh, yeah. We, we do need translators for this. It can be very, very helpful. We need translators when we're interacting. But then I also think like, how about in terms of processing, like, 
you're, we, we've mentioned this before and we'll put the link in the show notes, but you run a great Facebook group called Autistic Connections. Um, and which you're welcome to join. If you're not a jerk, we would like to have you. Um, but like sometimes just processing that, like I'll see people post in there. I went to the doctor and this thing happened and just having other people tell you you're not crazy. Cause yes. I would go home from the doctor, have a bad experience and say, Oh, it's because of my bad personality. But yeah. if you have an autistic community and you could come back and say, am I the asshole? Like this happened. And a whole bunch of autistic people would be like, Oh no. That is called discrimination, my friend. You are being marginalized. That's what that feels like. Um, I think that can, it doesn't change what happened. It's still not nice to be marginalized or discriminated against, but at least you have a place in your head where you're like, okay, I'm not gaslighting myself about this. That was exactly because that's like a compounding factor. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because again, there, there, it's, it's this compounded trauma where you are traumatized by external factors and then continue to berate yourself for allowing it to happen. Right. Right. And that is, like I said, I think that's a big part of autistic culture. And that is maybe not the healthiest part of our culture. And it's a part of our culture that there are ways that there are responsibilities of holistic people because we live here too. Um, and so please let's have better education for medical professionals. There are responsibilities of autistic people with privilege, like me and you doing things like starting that health center. And then there are just individual responsibilities as an autistic person that's like take, put on put on a sumo wrestling suit when you go out there. <laughs> the yeah. struggle is real, my friends. Yeah. And, and this is, and this is a thing for all the holistic people listening. If you want to be an ally, encourage uh, a space where autistic voices are heard, encourage, you know, uh, your autistic loved ones to, to support them, to validate them, to validate their experiences, to learn more about all of these things that affect us and how to best help us because Mm. the world can be a very, very demeaning place. And we need all the help we can get on this because we really, really need to make changes. If you have an autistic child and you are not autistic yourself, if you want them to grow up happy and healthy, you have to make the world a more autistic friendly place. Yeah. I was in Ireland. This reminds me, oh, you haven't asked me the question, but I just, I have a good story about being ah. autistic. It's not this week. Um, it is related a little bit, but um, I was in Ireland and we were driving, we like drove from Cork to Dublin or something. This was uh, earlier last year, but there was this town called Clonakilty in the south of Ireland. And um, it was called the world's most autism-friendly city. Really? And I was like, oh, that's what fantastic. Is an awesome? So then I started Googling it, and there are many autism-friendly cities, which, by the way, if you would like us to put together a tour of autism-friendly cities, drop that in the comments. Oh, um, that would be great. Yeah, there are autism-friendly cities, and there were super cool things in this town, like... This is the one that really got me. There were many things. I read 20 things. This is the one I remember. Um, they played movies at a lower volume. You could go to the oh, movie theater. I was like, because I, I can't with the, it's la And then they get so excited about surround sound. Yeah. Surround sound is my nemesis. I'm like, my soul is on fire. I just need sound from one direction. I don't need yeah. it to surround me. I'm good. Um, but yeah, so they have low volume movies. They have, um, uh, they turn off the fluorescent lights in grocery stores and you can go oh. shopping with like no, no fluorescent light buzzy buzz. You know, the buzzy buzz. I oh, know, like, thank God. I know. It's so cool. They have a whole bunch of things, the whole town and they, the whole town was educated, like the small business community. They had workshops over the course of three years educating small business owners so they can recognize us when they come in. They have a bag of tools for how to handle us. If there's a kid that comes in and they're screaming, they don't kick them out, shut them down. They got, they got a whole bunch of ways to engage. 
and uh, autism-friendly towns everywhere, please, with autism-friendly medical clinics. That is my vote. That is beautiful. I love that. So, Clonakilty, Ireland, you and I going on a trip. Y'all want to come? Talk to us. Share it in the comments. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, it's it's been a great to hear from you, and uh, see you next time. Yes, we will be back celebrating the joys and the pride of being autistic, but looking at our culture from all sorts of angles so that you can become better informed about autistic culture and uh, the autistic people you love. And if that's you, welcome home. You are with your people in the land of Autistica. Thanks for listening to the Autistic Culture Podcast. If you like this show, you can help other people find it by taking a few minutes to rate and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can find out more about writing your book with me at differencepress.com. That's difference, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E, press, P-R-E-S-S.com. Or getting a psychological evaluation or consult with me at www.mattlowrylpp.com. That's M-A-T-T, Matt Lowry, L-O-W-R-Y, L-P-P, as in Licensed Psychological Practitioner.com. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, no one ever changed the world by being like everyone else. Thank you.